Brought to you by Feitner Productions. From the Unreasonable Doubt Studios, in association with Feitner Productions, this is Laying Down the Law! With your host, Billy DeClerc, and co-hosts, Kristen Drenning and Curtis Rutherford. Featuring a jury of genius jokesmiths and paneled with the help of Publishers Clearinghouse, auditors from the firm of DCH Lottery Management, and selected by random draw from a hermetically sealed mayonnaise jar every Tuesday and Thursday at half past never. Only a madman would bring these people together to construct an entire virtual world of law and order simply to tear it asunder with ruckus laughter. That madman is attorney Billy DeClerc. The result is a podcast blasted to the farthest reaches of the interwebs. That podcast is this one, and it starts right now. Welcome to Laying Down the Law, a comedy podcast hosted by me, the legal porpoise from beachfront North Hollywood, Billy DeClerc. And I'm co-host Kristen Drenning, an actual lawyer also, a storyteller, improviser, girl around town in Austin, Texas. And I'm Curtis Rutherford. I'm not a lawyer, but I am the co-host also of this podcast, the creator of Improv Beat by Beat, the interview text audio textbook of improv comedy. I forget exactly how I've called it a million different ways in a million different forms. This is what you say, Curtis. I interviewed. Well, in the first few episodes, you say I interviewed 24 improvisers in New York City. And then you gradually go to (laughs) I interviewed a whole bunch of improvisers and I put it together. Because originally it was 24, and then it became 30, and then it became, oh my God, this spreadsheet is ruining my life. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's my podcast. And wouldn't you love to listen to a podcast that involves that many spreadsheets, uh, mm-hmm. where each episode is focused on a specific idea in improv, um, I, <laughs> such as, and Billy gave me the helpful reminder of explaining improv questions like, why do improvisers mispronounce Spokane? <laughs> Spokane, which is not how you say it. Um, also, on the that is like a the... really inside joke, right there. It's so uh, yeah. Keep make sure you get to episode seventeen, the Spokane. Um, I'm also the author of a SAT book. If you happen to be a kid trying to go to college and you need to learn about the SAT, and you're for some reason listening to a legal podcast. Well, my confused young friend, I have an SAT <laughs> math book for you called Laser Focused on SAT Math. But let's meet our guests. Well, before oh, we guests. meet our guests, I just want to interject one thing. This show is going to be carried on Earmark CPE, Ooh. and we are going to have listeners who are actual for real accountants. And so I think they'd be kind of into a spreadsheet that ex- that breaks down improv into different categories. Maybe you could post that on your socials. And so the fans of Curtis, you know, you can you can hear the spreadsheet o improv guests. <laughs> I'll have an episode where I just read each cell of the spreadsheet very slowly and explain <laughs> the formulas yeah. I used to color code everything. Here's Will Hines talking about the Spokane. <laughs> Today's guest is a writer and comedian living in Los Angeles, where after spending hundreds of dollars on comedy classes, she's discovered that nothing makes her newborn daughter laugh as much as the ceiling fan. And it's not even on. Please welcome Kelly Johnson. And she brings with her her youngest guest we've ever had on this podcast, her daughter, James. (laughs) Yeah, I had to bring her. She wouldn't let me put her down. But she's, I don't know if you can hear, but she's also thrilled to be here. (laughs) I can tell. 
And she's going to jump yeah. into the improv. And uh, before we went on, I was just, we were discussing that um, even in LA, people are thrown off with a yeah. girl named James. And I said, well, haven't any, hasn't anybody ever heard of a song by Johnny Cash, Boy Named Sue? I know. I think Johnny Cash's song, he's, the idea was that the boy would learn to be tough and get into fights if he got teased for being named Sue. So I think, yeah. you know, similarly... That's it's the like abuse by proxy. Like <laughs> I, I don't want to do anything. I'm going to give him this name. Yeah, I'm just gonna give Other him people a... will take care of it. That yeah. way, now when she applies for jobs, they're going to see James on the resume. They're mm-hmm. gonna be like, "All right, we're going to give her all of the salary instead exactly. of just seventy-three yes. percent." <laughs> it's kind of genius. It's kind of genius. Also, I bet um, if you tell people, oh, it's James, but with a Y or something like that, they will instantly remember like, oh, OK, so that's a girl's name, James. Well, I am thrilled to have Kelly back again. It's We always have a good time. And I didn't even realize. So Kelly was introduced to me by a uh, guest, Henry David, and I didn't realize that she already knew Kristen and they were like, hey, good to see you. So uh yeah, fortunately, that was before we turned the mics on and didn't capture that moment of authentic connection. So can you reenact it, please? Hey, good to see you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Kelly, it's been too long. <laughs> I forgot you were a real lawyer, which is very intimidating. Oh, no, should not be. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> okay, uh, we got to calm this child down. The one time I tried to talk myself out of a ticket, I got my fine doubled, if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one time I almost got a ticket, and I he didn't give me one because I couldn't roll my window down uh she's like you're he's like the windows don't work and i was like i guess they don't and he was like you know what you just go seems like you've got a lot going on yeah Yeah. a lot going on we're we're done with you (laughs) yeah yeah i think the last time you were on kelly you talked about how being on a jury which is probably means you've been inside of a courtroom more than most lawyers wow Uh, (laughs) I've only been on one jury. I've only been on jury duty. I've only had it one time. Uh-huh, they haven't were, brought me back, but, but I but loved cumul- it. Cumulatively, being on, you know, for four consecutive full days, that's six hours a day. It's 24 hours in a, a, an amazing. actual courtroom. And, one of the best times of my life, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like two-hour for... lunches. Ooh. The bailiffs will, like, give us candy. Like, come yeah. on. I was called for grand jury duty and I was really excited. Like, oh, I get to see a bunch of like cases. I get to see a bunch of things and we just get to, you know, and then they were, you know, asking us all the questions and they said, well, what do you like to do? And I was like, well, I like to, I rock climb. And also I do like improv comedy. And he was like, so you're a comedian. (laughs) And I could just hear in his mind, him crossing off the name. And then we went to lunch and I did not come back. (laughs) Like a rock climbing comedian gets kicked off the grand jury. (laughs) Let's get into it. The case of the week. This week's case is out of Massachusetts, and it's called the Trinity Church in Boston against John Hancock Mutual Life Insurance Co. Seems like a slightly uneven battle. You have the Trinity Church, just the one in Boston, against a global behemoth insurance company named after the founding father who uh, wrote his names big enough that George King George wouldn't have to take off his glasses. So this is a case, again, coming out of remedies. And um, before we get too far into this case, if you're not a subscriber to Laying Down the Law and you didn't hear the last episode 
uh, or the last two episodes dealing with remedies, you may want to go back and listen to the one we just did, the United States against 50 acres of land. This is because your chance to remedy your <laughs> remedy your mistake of not being a subscriber. You smash that like and subscribe button, hit the little bell on the corner, do all the things and tweet it and put it at whatever. But this has to do with the measure of money damages in a case. And the the cardinal rule of cases, um, the point of a lawsuit is to put the plaintiff, if they win, back in the same position they would have been if they hadn't been harmed by the defendant. So that sounds easy. It gets hard. It's easy when it's something that's easily valued. If you have a 2005 Honda Civic, you can check the blue book value and pretty much figure out what it's worth. Um, and then you can adjust it. Oh, it was in really good condition. It was in really bad condition. And if you've ever the been- The windows didn't roll down. Right, the windows didn't roll down. So you can kind of figure out the value of things that are you know fungible. Or if it's a contract for $10,000, um, you know, then you can say, okay, it's $10,000. It's easily calculated. Um, so these cases are hard cases, cases that are hard to evaluate. The background of this case has to do with the construction of the John Hancock Tower in Massachusetts, which I believe is a large building, not having yeah. been to Boston, but it is, it's a very large building. Uh, large enough for King George to see without his glasses. Yes. Exactly right. <laughs> Ooh, I've been to Boston and you know what? They have, it's like, one of those, you know, old timey places where the founding fathers did really wonderful, great things. And now it's a Chipotle. <laughs> they pointed out, they're like, this is where they, you know, whatever, did something. Yeah. It's like on a tour and you could go in and get chips and guac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're going to turn Independence Hall into a Panda Express. Yeah, well, that orange chicken. <laughs> yeah. Can't beat That's it. The the new they paved paradise put up a parking lot yeah exactly i'm sorry uh, i feel like chipotle is the paradise yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so the 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 case arises out of property damage so when they were uh, when they were building this tower believe it or not they harmed some nearby buildings and so uh, the trinity church of the city of boston was harmed during the construction of the john hancock tower building in copley square if you're from Boston or have been to Boston, you know where Copley Square is. Me not having been to Boston, sorry, entire state of Massachusetts. You can unsubscribe <laughs> now, but I haven't been there uh, to your beautiful city. Maybe you can fly me out sometime. Anyhow, when it I'm was sorry. Safe. Last episode, you threw away all of our alt-right listeners. Now you <laughs> yeah, throw away all of our Boston and Massachusetts. Li like, who's left? Well, we what have dirt bags are left. We have a lot of listeners in the Ukraine, actually. Um, you know, I did an early episode, brought in some people from uh, Ukraine, and uh, I think like 15 of them. I'm like, I was like, at one point, I broke the top hundred comedy podcasts in Ukraine. Um, <laughs> I hadn't stayed there for long, but I was there for a little, for, you know, a couple of weeks. So the John Hancock lost to Trinity Church in Boston. Yeah. And they had jury verdicts in the amount of $4,170,300. And that's in the 80s. That is a ton of dollars. The old Jan John Hancock went ahead and appealed. It was upheld by the Supreme Court of Massachusetts. Well, they sort of won lost in that uh, they had tried to get a directed verdict and they were shot down, uh, the church, and then they won from the plaintiffs. But 
they did sort of initially lose. Uh, so, Kristen, yeah. what do you mean yeah. by a directed verdict? A directed verdict is when you get a, a taller chair that's made out of canvas and has your name in the back. Terrible. That's a directed nice. verdict. That is that awful. That's terrible. That's like beyond a pun. That's now horrible. I wish I had not tossed it back to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a directed verdict is when the judge takes the question away from the jury and basically says, there's no way, no reasonable jury could find for the defendant. And so I'm gonna decide this as a matter of law. There is no factual dispute that can be decided by a jury. And so we're not gonna even let, you know, even after Kelly sits there all week and gets her long lunches and free candy, she's not gonna ultimately get to oh. deliberate and decide. The judge is gonna decide and take it away, which, you know, lawyers like to do because juries are scary you don't know what they're well, gonna do i mean have you seen the people in the world these days <laughs> I <have. laughs> allowing them to decide i thought that when i was on jury duty i was uh -huh. like <laughs> i was like 23 years old i didn't know anything that guy's going that guy's in jail now because of me <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i was just in it for the hershey's kisses on my seat after my two-hour <laughs> lunch <laughs> yeah you get you get like you know county workers who get unlimited time off for jury duty um, you get people who are, uh, you know, want to be there because they're got nothing else to do. Um, they got you got people who are legitimately interested and those are the rare ones. But, you know, a lot of people who are retired, a lot of college students um, and a lot of people with, with public employment jobs or union jobs. Those are our peers. Those are a jury of your peers. So Trinity was basically they wanted to say like, hey, we believe this is so clear mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. John Hancock messed up our building. Uh -huh. The judge shouldn't even give it to the jury. Mm -hmm. And would the jury even find damages at that point or is it's totally in the judge's hands? Uh, it could be a directed verdict could be uh, partial. It could be complete. They could have he could have uh, or she could have found for the plaintiff on liability and then asked the jury to determine damages. I think like the reason they did it, if I had to guess, is just because of the complication, how complicated it was to calculate damages in this in this um, case. They just didn't trust the jury to be able to understand the theories that were going on, and so they were like, "Judge, please." But yeah, because it's fixing stone masonry, which probably even a jury of of retired and college students, not a lot of stone masons on yeah. that jury. Yeah. Right. Can, yeah accurately assess that yeah well and the reason you know judge it's very hard to get directed verdict is judges are chicken shit and um i say that as someone who aspires to be a tv judge um, <laughs> uh but judges are kind of chicken shit and if you um if you make that decision and you basically wade in there and decide and take it away from the jury you can be reversed your judgment can be overturned more easily um, and judges care about one of the things judges care about is their reversal rate, how many times they get turned around by the court of appeal. And there's a, you know, that's like a metric. So a jury verdict when you appeal is very hard to overturn um, because the court of appeal, we're getting deep into civil procedure here, <laughs> but the court of appeal is not supposed to take the place of the fact finder. Whatever facts were found at the trial court level, those are the facts and they're taken, assumed to be true um, with very, very, very narrow exceptions. There's always an exception to every rule and often an exception to the exception. But the general rule here, uh, forgetting about the exception and the exception to the exception, is juries find the facts and judges don't touch what the juries determine about the facts. So $4 million verdict against the John Hancock Life Insurance Company in favor of the Trinity Church in Boston. 
um, big win for Trinity Church gets appealed. So as um, Curtis previewed, the Trinity Church was built in the late 1800s, and it was constructed almost entirely of stone masonry. And the particular issue on appeal, there were claims for interior damage and claims relating to exterior damage. This particular case illustrating this particular point of law and what we're focused on here has to do with the exterior damage. But again, the point of a remedy is to put the church back in the position it would have been if the John Hancock Tower hadn't damaged them when they were negligently constructing their tower in Copley Square. Mm -hmm. So stone masonry, the court explains, is heavy and very brittle compared to other construction materials. When it's placed under stress, it doesn't deform. Instead, it cracks. And when it cracks, it breaks throughout its entire thickness and the strength diminishes significantly. Sorry, this feels like a good analogy for the Catholic Church in general. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't bend, but then it all it, of a sudden it cracks. It doesn't bend, it just breaks. That's right. There's an old uh, movie where Alan, I think it's Alan Alda, plays a like a producer or something like, if it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, <laughs> it isn't. I don't know the reference, but Jeff, can we drop it in? You nailed it, Billy. Alan Alda in Crimes and Misdemeanors. If it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, it isn't. Ordinarily, it can't be repaired unless you completely disassemble the masonry and reset it and reconstruct it. So the court points out that the church, which was um, built in 1876 through 1872, um, it was a national historic landmark and a functioning church and was designed by Henry Hobson Richardson. Was it not, it was not the, the, the ship of Theseus, so to speak. Sure. So the church had experienced settlement or movement over the hundred years of its existence um, to date when it settled or compressed and Trinity Church had begun taking surveys to measure the settlement starting in 1918. And so between 1918 and 1968, they had measured six different areas of the church to show settlement between three to four inches. But because that settling was basically uniform, it hadn't damaged the masonry. It just was um, kind of shifting in place over time. When they were constructing the tower, there was a failure at the excavation system at the Hancock site. Um, basically some of the shoring or something like that. Because it undermined the support and the foundation of the church, the church settled unevenly, which caused the masonry to crack. I'm going to take a little side journey and just explain a little bit about property law. This is a, this is a whiz banger. That's why they yeah. teach this class in the third year of law school. But property law, um, you have the law of nuisance and the duty to avoid damaging your neighbor's property. Um, so when, on hillside properties, for example, um, you know you have a lateral support obligation and you can't cause subsidence on your neighbor's property. You can't cause landslides into your neighbor's property. And if you live in the Hollywood Hills, those are the kinds of things you see enormous, uh, enormous walls being built, which is usually a sign that somebody rich is building some big house somewhere that they probably shouldn't. In a, uh, in a, in a floodplain where the ocean levels are rising in an <laughs> earthquake zone, we're building on a hillside. But that's what we do. When they were excavating, the ground immediately surrounding the construction site moved inward toward the excavation, which caused the foundation of the church to settle unevenly, most dramatically on the south side, closest to the tower, and basically migrate horizontally, which caused a spray of cracks up through the masonry walls, which impacted the structural integrity of the church 
and broke the church into several different parts that were no longer structurally sound. James, any questions? Curtis, Kelly? She thinks it's just unfair of these people. Like, come on, you know? Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I don't blame her. It definitely I don't blame should, her. Like, yeah, He's I mean, like, regular law, property law. Come on, what else are you going to throw at yeah. us? <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to get to the heart of what this case is about, which is the damages calculation. Yeah. So this case is about the structural damages. Uh, just checking in with Kristen, do they say anything horribly wrong or oh. leave out something important? No, I was just going to say, I was going to say the one thing that we should note is that this is no longer like, we're no longer like, are they at fault? Like, did they do something wrong? We've already decided that they did something wrong. Like, that is not yeah. the issue on appeal. Uh, yeah. We are just talking damages now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Usually um, I explain to clients who aren't lawyers and um, want to know or don't, as long as they're paying me by the hour. And I usually explain in a long way because, you know, I bill by the hour. There are usually three parts of a case, liability, damages, and collectability. Liability is what, who's at fault, damages is how much, and collectability is can you collect. So we're focused on the damages in this case, okay? And this is specifically related to structural damages. Now, in the last episode, we talked about replacement value for a landfill versus market value, and it was fascinating. And if you haven't listened to it, go back subscribe, maybe pause this episode, go listen to the other one, put this one next in your queue in your podcast player, because you're going to spend the next hour and a half learning about remedies, baby. <laughs> All right. But the, um, the way that they quantified this case, because it's, it's complicated, obviously the church is more than a hundred years old, right? By the time this case is decided, it's almost, it's about 120 years old. It's built using old pieces of rock that have been settling. They had been settling for more than a hundred years when the John Hancock Tower was built. There was obviously damage over time. And when we're talking about the measure of damages and you're the defendant and you've lost already, the issue is, well, how much? You know, when it's a Honda Civic, it's like, well, your Honda Civic had, you know, scratches on it and a peeling paint and, you know, only three wheels. So, you know, it should be minimal. Um, and if you're the plaintiff, you're like, it was brand new, cherry condition. It was a collector's edition Honda Civic, one of the few that were um, built and shipped over. And I had painted it candy apple red and it was, you know, whatever. So the, the measure of damages depends on the value of the thing being replaced. Here, the value of the thing being replaced is almost impossible to calculate, really. It's what's the, the value of these cracks that are going through the masonry. And so the church is basically saying, look, we're going to have to completely take this thing apart and rebuild it because you can't just like Jenga out one block, right? Pop in a new guy, right? We're not going to be getting super glue or gorilla glue even and trying to stick this thing back together. Like it's going to be, uh, you know, a basically a takedown job. We're going to have to rebuild it from the ground up. And since it's a historic and historic site, um, it's going to have to be close to what was the original building. It's kind of impossible. And it's going to be a hundred years old version of, a, and then this is why, you know, like directed verdict already. Right. Mm. Um, not that a judge knows judges like let the uh, public employees and college students figure this out. Cause I don't know the answer. And they came back 4 million. So the plaintiff church said that the way the damages should be calculated is as a percentage of takedown condition. So the takedown theory here is the theory that was ultimately accepted, which is 
what is the cost to take it down and reassemble it, take it apart and basically rebuild the Jenga tower with the blocks missing as they were. And so they had a bunch of expert testimony about how it would be cost and what the disassembly and reconstruction was necessary. So the percentage was calculated based upon the percentage of damages that was caused during the construction period applying the change in the physical damage from 1968 to 1972 as a percentage of the overall cost of rebuilding the thing from the ground up. I don't know how you do that, but they did it. The other thing is that a significant part of the damages was interest. So remember time, time periods here. We have church built in the late 1800s, data collected for 50 years before then, 1968, the John Hancock Tower construction starts 20 years later, we're getting this decision. So the question is, when's the valuation period? And it's 1968 to 1972 when the tower was actually constructed, plus interest. So we have almost 20 years of interest on the damages. And the rate of interest on a damages claim is higher than you can get in most market conditions. It's like 10% in California. Have I lost everyone? Nope. Yeah, I'm right there. Okay. I was thinking like it just pays to take 20 years. Take your time, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it's well, except for, there. The, except for uh -huh. the church patrons who are like, where do we go to services? Yeah. Well, yeah. God lives in their hearts. <laughs> That's so true. They true. should just. That actually was a defense that the John Hancock should have brought. Right? <laughs> Maybe I should be a lawyer. <laughs> well, stay tuned for comedy court when you have the opportunity to do just oh, that. Yeah. So basically, Trinity Church was going to have to fix some stuff anyway, and they had been keeping track of that, right? So then mm -hmm. within that, John Hancock wouldn't have to pay any of that, which is why it's some percentage of the things, but. They broke this 20 years ago. Probably further damage happened. There's interest on top of that. They have to figure out how to fix something that mm -hmm. nobody fixes. And you can't just give them new blocks and say, well, here's your new stones. Put them in because the they have to take down everything and just redo the entire thing. Right. Remember what I said? I learned this from my remedies professor and I've never forgotten it. You have the rule and the exception and then the exception to the exception, but the rule and the exception, that's how the law works, right? So the rule we learned on the last episode, which I highly recommend you listen to and download and tell your friends about, the general rule of damages calculation is the market value. What does it cost to replace this thing? To buy so you go down it to the church it. market. You go down right. to the church market, see how much are they paying <laughs> for stonemasonry around here. Mm -hmm. And the replacement so what does it cost to get another church well the court says this is one of the exceptions to the rule because churches aren't like a honda civic you can't find another one easily sorry to pick on you honda civics i could use toyota camry but you know i know people who drive toyota camrys i don't know anyone who drives a honda civic do you curtis drive a honda civic does anybody drive a honda i drive civic? a hyundai elantra okay i feel like most of the world drives a honda civic and you don't know one person it is an extremely popular car you know what it's such a bland <laughs> and forgettable car sorry honda civic i drivers. think it's they the most popularly uh stolen car because it's yeah. just because honestly it's like one key opens all of them mm -hmm. so yeah. if yeah. you drive one honda civic you essentially drive, you drive all of them <laughs> i think that's actually isn't that like buddhist philosophy yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they talk about an exception, which is special 
purpose property. Now, if you listen to the last episode, you're thinking, isn't a landfill special purpose property? <laughs> and that would make you a future law student or a past law student. But uh, there's a distinction here that's in this case that it is, makes for interesting um, you know, taking tests in law school, which is why is this case a special purpose property and why isn't a landfill a special purpose property? Answer, the law is arbitrary. <laughs> um, but the church is considered a special purpose property. It's a historical landmark. It's made of this special stone masonry. It is unique. It's been around. It was designed by this architect, etc. So there's no like one litmus test of like, well, you checked off this, your special interest. Is that very much like at the whim of whoever's doing it? Uh, well, okay. So, oh no, uh, is this more in the weeds? Sure. <laughs> oh, that, we live in the weeds, maybe. Um, <laughs> So there is usually a test for everything. So okay. here it says it does talk about the the test not being universal and special purpose property is property of nonprofit charitable or religious organizations is one category. Um, and there could be other categories. So there's two types of tests in the law generally. If you're going to say, is this thing, is is a hot dog a sandwich or not a sandwich? right? Is gazpacho soup or not soup? Okay. And they are, can be factor analysis or element analysis. And a factor analysis is, um, is basically if you put all these things in, is it pretty much, does it kind of lean towards being soup or a, you know, a, an element analysis is it's got to have these ingredients. So a, an element test is like baking a cake. If you don't have flour, yeast, and sugar in the right proportions, you're not going to have a cake. Okay. A factor test is a test that's like making soup. If you make, if you put in potatoes or don't put in potatoes or put in beef or don't put in beef, you're still going to have soup because it's going to be, unless you're talking about gazpacho, which is just gross. Gazpacho is, is basically a thin tomato slurpee or whatever. But uh, hey, I thought we were trying to get back on the Ukraine charts. What are you? What are you doing? Oh yeah, I know it's because Oh, because Gazpacho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that a big? Is that a big Ukrainian delicacy? No, it is. Gazpacho <laughs> is very popular in the Ukraine. Um, I don't know. That's uh, that's my nomination for an episode title. Gazpacho is popular in the Ukraine. People are gonna be like, "What is that?" My my nomination is we live in the weeds. We live in the weeds. We do. Long story short, this court says you can't use the market value approach because it's a church, it's unique. And so we said so. There is a test, and the test is from Newton Girl Scout Council versus Massachusetts Turnpike Authority. <laughs> the Girl Scouts against the Turnpike Authority. That sounds like a good case. What a matchup. <laughs> kind of imagine them in like a WWE environment. Um, so special opportunities for proof of value where it's felt there's no market value. So the courts are doing no more than recognizing that more complex and resourceful methods of ascertaining value must be used where the property is unusual or specialized in characters, element one, and where two, ordinary methods will produce a miscarriage of justice. Well, now, I don't know how you argue that. You could argue that all the time, but those are the two elements. So if you are a law student listening to this, this you're going to write those two down as the two factors that you're going to argue to argue on your law school exam 
that the um I don't know Boy Scout campground is a special use property. It's nonprofit. It's unusual or specialized in character and ordinary methods of valuation will produce a miscarriage of justice. You're not going to find another piece of property that has this kind of waterfront or whatever. So they have said, okay, they got the 4 million originally, right? Based on this evaluation, which I still have a little bit of a question about, but okay. got the 4 million. And then they're saying it's uh, because of these reasons, right? We can't just like use what the market would say. So we're going to say, uh, I don't know, 4 million is what the, the jury came back with, right? Mm -hmm. But we have not appealed. We've not gotten to an appeal yet. No, the, the well, the 4 million no, was overall damages and interest. But they got to the they got to the number based upon it's not there's no market value for a church. It's a special use property. And so we're not going to use the market for churches. We're not going to go on, you know, um, what is it, Zillow or whatever and figure out what it costs to buy a church. Um and um we're gonna look for we're gonna look at this as a special use property. So we're gonna have to come up with a different method of valuing it because it's an, a nonprofit, because it's um, unusual or specializing character, and it would be a miscarriage of justice. Now that's a big, oh, it's unfair, it's unjust, is a big opportunity for any lawyer because you're gonna always argue that your side, it would be a miscarriage of justice because nobody really knows what that means, just seems like it's unfair, is miscarriage of justice. Kristen's nodding, go ahead, Kristen. Um, I was also just gonna note that if this had been contract law, this would be a completely different assessment, right? Like it's it's only under the very like nitty gritty of tort law that allows for this le like level of namby pamby because mm -hmm. in contracts law, we don't, we don't, we don't have, we don't care yep. about special use. That's right. Yeah. And for brand new listeners, a tort is not a dessert. A tort is an injury. A tort is a, uh, an, um, an unselected uh, engagement of parties where one damages another. This is um, nuisance in property law okay i also just now got a hint of growing up i was uh i grew up my dad was in the army and like anybody in the army looks down on the navy and the navy looks down on the air force i felt just kind of the same thing contract versus tort <laughs> if i'm not wrong like oh we wouldn't do that in contract who does the yeah. air force look down on no everybody no. except That's for the I space thought. force oh, yeah. <laughs> i didn't realize that there was like geeks and dweebs in the armed forces like that it's, it's kind of a I fun mean, factoid yeah that's, they all have their own little yell they have their yeah all of that and and that's why the uh army versus navy games and that kind of stuff it's just a chance for factionalism where you're pitting your armies against each other rather than against the head of state which is what the romans learned we should try to avoid <laughs> excellent yeah, and uh, and Jeff, we just shout out producer Jeff is a Navy vet. Thank you for your service, Jeff. So how do you figure it out? Well, the court says, well, we can figure out reproduction, less depreciation being a value. And I don't know what that means, but I think depreciation is like it goes down in value over time. So cost to build the church again today at today's cost Minus the 110 years of settling, the cost of that is the damages calculation. Now, we're not even going to get into, this case gets into a present value discounting for future damages lost. 
And all y'all accountants are going to be like, oh, please get to that. That is what I'm interested in, but we're not doing it. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right now, you can, you can buzz off. You can untune from that. You can unsubscribe. You want to hear about present value today. <laughs> Fuck that present value. I'm not doing present value. It's a whole can of worms. It's a whole can of worms. Yeah. It's I a love whole that all accountants are just jonesing for like, yes, yes. Get to me. Like, like, get to like, it already. <laughs> I was listening to this at three times speed. <laughs> skip, 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 skip. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this is getting too meta um okay so there's a test of reasonableness the cost of replacement or reconstruction must be reasonable and it must be reasonably necessary in light of the cost the in light of the damage that's inflicted by the per by the um particular defendant so this is what we got into with the 50 acres of land because um kelly and other people who for whatever reason didn't hear the last episode Kelly couldn't have because it's not out, but everybody else, shame on you. But in that case, um, the, the part of the issue was that they had made a much better landfill, a cleaner dump. Um, and so you don't get the value of the better church. So if the Trinity church of Boston decided they're going to put a, you know, another story on the building, or they're going to, you know, replace it with a replica of the Notre Dame, uh, you know, they wouldn't get that value, just the value to replace the church that they had. Okay. So blah, 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 math. Bottom line here is that the court says it's fine. Calculate the depreciated reconstruction cost. And the court says, clearly, anytime something says clearly, it's not clear, but clearly the church would be entitled to recover the depreciated reconstruction cost. That's their damages. So the cost of building another church in the same spot with the same historic value, with the same stone masonry that's incredibly defective and breaks over time. Present day, less depreciation, but not reduced for present value of future damages. This feels like one of those formulas that mm -hmm. just crackpots put up of like, here's proof that there's aliens. So if you take Sigma and, and phi and two, and they've just made up a bunch of variables and mm -hmm. then got a number and said, well, we got this number, even though you made up a million variables and, mm -hmm. and it's all garbage in. Presented to you by Curtis Rutherford, author of laser focus on, focus on SAT math. <laughs> if you want to see, if you want to see a bunch of variables, check out laser focused on SAT math. I gave away the, the end, but um, we're still going to do comedy court in a second. There's a dissenting opinion by Justice O'Connor, not Sandra Day O'Connor, the O'Connor uh, who famously sat on the Massachusetts Supreme Court in 1987, who we've all heard of. The dissenting opinion basically says there's no evidence of diminution in the church's market value or present use or loss of enjoyment of the church or even a minute shortening of its usable life. So O'Connor's basically saying, look, they're entitled to restoration, but they're entitled to restoration of a 120-year-old church, whatever that was, and there wasn't any evidence presented to what it would cost to restore it. It's the old car accident. Is your car a total loss? 
there was no evidence of what it would cost to fix this stonemasonry that had actually been damaged and this whole crazy calculation of you know present value of a restore a rebuilt taken down but partially depreciated church is just a bunch of hokum mumbo jumbo to justify a jury award that's out of line. And they should have said, well, what's it going to cost to fix it? Anything we need to go back over or clarify before we take a break? Uh, I'm looking at you, baby James. She says, no, she got it all. She, she says she's never understood anything more perfectly in her whole life. Um, uh, okay. And that she's going to like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. I think three months is like as far as uh, what you learn, right? Babies are normally at the torts stage of. of yeah, 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 yeah. The torts and then the the uh, <laughs> the Episcopals, I don't, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then object permanence and then they're good to go. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, nihilism. So we're there. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back. Comedy court. All right, we're back from our commercial break um, for non-existent sponsors at the time of recording. Uh, <clears throat> um, and now it's time for Comedy Court. We have today uh, the case of Trinity Church of the City of Boston against the John Hancock Mutual Life Insurance Company. Uh, John Hancock Mutual Life Insurance Company, you are the appellant. And my tentative ruling has been to rule in favor of the poor little church that you damaged. Um, and so I'll hear your arguments first. Any reason we shouldn't give them $4 million? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, sorry. It, my ears cut out for a second. And so I only heard half of that. But what I think you said is that I'm going to go ahead and give my opening statements. <laughs> <laughs> That's how court works. Okay, that is how it so, works. That's how comedy yeah. court works. We start with opening mm -hmm. statements, then we do closing, and then we do the middle right. part after that. Okay. Uh, Marsha T. Bones here, uh, uh, presiding counsel <laughs> for uh, the John Hancock Mutual Insurance Group. Um, yeah. So what we have here is just a case of uh, complaining. Uh, of just good old fashioned Catholic whining. Uh, you know. What's going to happen when you build a church out of stone, out of old stones? I mean, where'd they get these things? Down at the local quarry? Uh, <laughs> the thing is, it's going to degrade. You know, it's going to get damaged. It's going to fall down. Uh, God said not to build your churches here on earth anyway. You know what I mean? We should be building them up up in heaven. And so I think in a way, we've uh, we've done the good parishioners of Boston a favor uh, by really testing their faith you know, and by giving them a chance to see uh, how far that can go. Uh, so because of that, I don't think we owe them any money because uh, they have the true gift, which is uh, eternal life. And fact, $4 believe, million dollars is is really nothing. Aren't you proposing that the, that, that, that the church pay you for damaging well, their, their Yeah, vessel? because yeah. as they know, we are going to hell <laughs> uh, working in the insurance industry. So that's the least they can do uh, because in a way, their stones actually hurt us worse than we, we hurt them. And that's just science. <laughs> yeah, I believe you've brought an, a, a, a co-counsel with you who's an expert, and I don't remember your area of expertise, uh, learned counsel, but please uh, introduce yourself and we'll hear argument from you. Uh, I'm an expert in stone repair. Uh, mm -hmm. and here's the thing, you know, I've repaired a fence, I've repaired a stone. This is easy. This is easy. You put up a new thing, you throw up a church. It's fine. Trinity church is 
is is acting like they're they're the only church ever that they're the only stones that god shat out you can find you can find stones anywhere i find them all the day in my shoes nearby in my neighbor's yard like it's easy to fix okay and there are five churches on this corner alone really so alone. it's like just walk outside and turn left we're <laughs> in boston, boston okay? people churches and dunkin donuts okay it's like yeah. oh no you broke down a dunkin donuts and there were uh -oh. three more underneath it uh -oh, uh -oh. Uh -oh, uh -oh. <laughs> whoops we broke a church whoops <laughs> and one last thing trinity church they haven't been paying taxes oh. ever Thank so you we're, gonna, we're supposed to pay four million for somebody who's never paid taxes they should be paying us <laughs> based off loss of revenue of taxes yeah yeah so what have they been contributing to the good people of, of of boston you know not a lot sounds like they've just been contributing an old rickety dangerous church that could have hurt someone it could have <laughs> hurt someone we didn't even get into that yet so i think we could the people of boston a favor someone an old lady could be walking by stone falls on her head then what that could have been way more so yeah Okay. Uh, do, uh, have you completed your argument? Do you want to save? Uh, do you want to save? You have a two minutes remaining. Do you want to save that for rebuttal? Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bank yeah. that. Yeah. We'll yeah. bank it. We'll bank it. We'll bank it. Okay. We'll hear from. We'll hear from the respondent, the uh, Trinity Church of Boston. Uh, novel arguments coming from the uh, from the defense. Uh, um, how do you respond? I, the Trinity Church of Boston is appalled. Let me just say that first and foremost. It's appalled by the by the absolute uh, lack of reverence or even just care or concern or solicitude for a long-standing, important member of the Boston community, uh, a non-for-profit that, out of the goodness of its heart, has been servicing the spiritual and community needs of Boston for years and years and years, and which was doing so happily in a gorgeous building of its own design that it had paid and funded to have erected on its own initiative without any problems until one day big old mean Hancock comes and and just destroys it. If, if there had been no building of the Hancock building, then there would be no problems over at Trinity Boston Church, they would be fine. They would be managing their own costs of repair accordingly. But no, these big old evildoers want to come and just basically like take their thumb and blot out one of the like most important like religious lifelines of the entire city. And then they want to act as if it's no big deal because it's just a bunch of chipotles all the way down. <laughs> I hardly think that that's an apt comparison for what is known to be a national landmark, something that is unique, totally unlike uh, and there's no other Boston Trinity churches elsewhere. Okay, we don't it's not like a franchise. We don't have a bunch of them. This was actually like the jewel of the architect's crown. A council, let me just interrupt mm -hmm. you. I, I, the, the Catholic Church is not a not like a is not a franchise. It's a what is like a, more like a corporate owned type of uh, <laughs> establishment. Is that is that I'm is saying that that the, I'm saying that the, the individual church like less the of building. a subway, less of a subway and more like a McDonald's or, or In-N-Out. Is that the comparison here? Is I think the, the more apt comparison would be to chapters of, 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 of a church because that's what it is. Oh. It's a church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, but anyway, what, and also this is just the individual church, by the way. We're not speaking in, on uh, behalf of like the Catholic collectivity here. This is just this particular poor, beleaguered, benighted church, which by the way, might I add, again, is not made out of money, but did spend a ton of money making this beautiful thing, this gem of the uh, Boston skyline, which was now destroyed. And you're trying to tell I, us- 
I want to just say, you guys, you guys make money, you're lawyers, you build a McMansion, you choose the finest of, of materials, you put Carrera marble in there, you make it really nice. It's maybe not the most structurally sound, but it's gorgeous, right? If, if big old Hancock Tower came and fell on top of your McMansion, would you want us to replace it with a double wide and that would be okay? I don't think so, right? We have a choice. We get to choose to have nice things. And then when other people come around and destroy them, those people have to pay for having destroyed those nice things. Or it would be a manifest carriage of justice. Oh, oh one moment, one mm. moment, appellant. Um, does respondent rest? Uh, I would say, I just wanted to clarify again, very unique, specialized, not for profit, beautiful architect on the National Historic Register. And if we were to not replace it properly, it would be a gross miscarriage of justice. Yeah. All right, appellant, <clears throat> appellant you have uh, banked uh, two minutes of, of argument. Please, uh, do you, if you'd like to address any of the arguments of the Trinity Church in your rebuttal, please proceed. Well, I mean, first of all, have they tried praying about it? Objection. <laughs> Sustained. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One point that was brought up is that this is the only Trinity Church, but a quick Google Maps search will find I, Trinity yes. churches in every major city yeah. across the world. I you can find the them even in Boston. It's like Trinity even. Church of Boston, Boston Trinity Church, Church Trinity Boston, <laughs> Trinity's Boston's Church. It's just they're endless. I told my mom the other day, "Oh, Trinity Church is suing us," and she said, "Which one? East, East <laughs> Which <or> Northeast?" <laughs> Yeah. The one near the seven Duncans or the one underneath the other seven Duncans? Yeah, yeah. Is it the one on the Freedom Trail? Exactly. <laughs> and if so, which one? Because there's so many, because that's a pretty long trail. <laughs> and also, we we are kind people too. The church seemed to be like weighing on our sympathies, the sympathy yeah. of the of the judge, but we are in life insurance. Mm -hmm. They're in afterlife insurance, which is great, but that's not what the courts should care about. The legal <laughs> ramifications. We care about life. We give people money here on earth. Yes. When your poor loved one. Also, also, uh, we give Objection. money. We give money to the people who <laughs> need it. Have you seen the Catholic Church? Have you guys been to the Vatican? Are I you... don't think you guys are want for money. <laughs> no. Are you suggesting that the Hancock Insurance Company gives out more money like as a charitable <laughs> endeavor than the Catholic Church? I'm saying maybe. Okay. <laughs> I, you know. Fact checking required, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, it, if we give out, you know, per capita. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, you just you never know. So you know, there is yeah. if you look at per capita for uh for John Hancock subscribers, we give out way more to John Hancock's <laughs> oh, also Hancock there subscribers is no what the I Catholic think of, Church gives to John Hancock subscribers. Okay. When I think of life insurance in general, there's no bigger name than John Hancock. <laughs> right. So write that down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your uh, your time for argument, and we'll give the thirty seconds a final rebuttal for the respondent. Uh, Trinity Church of Boston, uh, respond to the rebuttal. Um, if if uh, if John Hancock were to have it their way, the St. Peter's Basilica would be constructed out of stucco and styrofoam. Uh, and I want them to know that this is why we can't have nice things. Exactly this kind of reasoning. So shame on you. <laughs> All right, is the matter submitted? Yes, submitted.
<laughs> All right. Uh, the court uh, the court will adopt its tentative ruling because the court always adopts its tentative ruling and never changes anything. Um, we're going to rule in the favor of the Tr Trinity Church because that's what's in this very thick and very expensive textbook. And I have no idea how to fix damages if the church was actually to pay John Hancock. Although that's kind of an interesting idea. Um, maybe we'll just reduce it down to present value. And instead of, we'll just make one slight change, which is that um, the John Hancock Insurance Company can pay Trinity Life in the afterlife. <laughs> and honestly, we're willing to do that. <laughs> okay, how, I'm sorry, but because how, you're how storing is there up your any way to... Well, the church can store up its treasure in heaven. Yeah, right? yes. And we are willing to add... castles made of sand and yes. all those other things. So um, John Hancock, you know, um, you know, whose name is on this, whose inscription Caesar's and give to Caesar. What is Caesar? Do Caesar. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. um, church. So you, you'll get all of your, um, all of the, uh, oh, <clears throat> so you win, you keep your $4 million. Thank you. But it will be paid to you. Yeah. In the afterlife. In indulgences. Mm -hmm. um, in, yeah. yeah. So we'll add some jewels to your crown, some pearls to your gates, some gold to your road. <laughs> I, I, I feel like there's some implementation issues that have not been fully, um, <laughs> thought out but okay you know all right the matter submitted and we're gonna take another quick break and when we come back improv more improv improv that's not so you know what it's improv it is what it is. <laughs> don't make promises yeah no problem yeah exactly no promises it may be improv it may be something else all right and we're back Welcome to the church store. So, so I hear you're in the business for another church. Your other church got broken down. Come on in. Come on in, all you. Oh, um, oh, great. I, I mean, I love the selection in here. Is that, is that a, a portrait of um of uh, Saint Peter? Yes, absolutely. And if you need another uh, saint, then we can do a face swap real easy. We'll put any uh, any face that you know as Saint Peter's face. We'll throw right in there. Any other saint we can put in. Now, this is going to be great because especially if you had like a very old church that you're trying to replace, they got a lot old. of St. Peter's. Oh, great. Perfect. We can put a St. Peter up. Uh, this is more of the Gothic style. We just got this mm. one in from Europe. Uh, just came over on the boat. Love uh, those we... gargoyles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And... I, excuse me. I, I just had a cool. I was looking for a church that has a, a very easily accessible parking lot. Oh, a parking lot church. Yeah, okay, it, good. It, no, this is it, perfect. We easily, got a couple. Huh? Yeah. Just, just, just. I just want to just hear yeah. me out. Go ahead. Okay. So I want a parking. I want a church that has a parking lot where you can arrive late, find a parking spot, and then leave early and get out without hitting any kind of traffic. That's ah. really. It's a slight upgrade from our current church, which you know does stacked parking. So when you arrive, you you can't leave until everybody else leaves. So you can't you know sneak out right after the sermon and be like, I got my God, I'm gonna go. Uh, you know. So uh, we want. I want one that you know you just like easily accessible. Maybe 27 driveways. And, if I could uh, break back in, my church is actually serving a bunch of of uh, under underfed orphans. Uh, if we could just we could just uh, maybe be the priority. We're we're starving and hungry and and uh, need a shelter over our heads. And also nice. Tesla superchargers. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry, just like 
you know, I'm only one salesman. I can only do whatever. And I just have to real quick, you know, help out this guy with his church. That's going to help with this seventh inning stretch, you know, just money, money, moolah makes the world go round. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know the ABBA song. So, uh, Absolutely. We have a couple churches like that. We just got, we got a couple in from Colorado Springs, a couple others in from Texas that have enough parking for 10,000 double SUVs. That's an SUV that's either the width of two normal SUVs or the height of two normal SUVs. Legally, it's neither truck nor van. It's, uh, it goes under the ice cream truck code. And so it's fine. It's technically a land based boat. And so they're perfectly legal, but it's got room. Every parking spot is twice as wide and twice as high to accommodate those. So, yeah, we can absolutely accommodate that. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Orphan Church, uh, you needed uh, more church, too, right? Yeah, we needed more church, mainly as a, a place for the community to gather. We had a horrible natural disaster happen. Everybody is needing shelter and and we need a also, it needs to be very beautiful because our old church was constructed in the you know the 1300s. And oh, um, well, just just one. Yeah, quick sorry. And oh, um, as one of the orphans, yeah, it's just the beauty is really important to me. So mm-hmm. it just it needs it needs to look good. None of these, none of these, you know, fly by night. <laughs> we have some very picky orphans. Yeah. Very picky. Oh. So yeah. if we could include just like a few Caravaggios, you know, original stained glass, uh, that would be really helpful uh, as someone who has no family. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I can call my Caravaggio guy and we'll see what we can we can connect. The first thing I just want to check, though, is um, this new church. Are we putting it putting it right in the same spot that uh, the we old church? are. Yeah, and and I would like to actually check with you on this. Now, it was originally built with a with a relatively risky, uh, very um, let's say susceptible to a catastrophic uh, foundational shift methodology. We do not want to correct that. We want it put back in in the exact same uh, archaic, uh, really foolhardy way. Is that a possibility? I mean, I don't think it'll be. I I, I think it'll be okay, but. See, the thing is, with this Our Lady of the Precipice Church, this isn't mm-hmm. the first time you've been in here. Like it, uh, Right. It falls over every once in a it while. It falls over every once in a while. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Mom, Dad, um, I, have a, I have a confession. I, I have to speak to you about something. Um, so uh, you know how you let me borrow the double SUV um, to go to the prom? I well, Cindy and I were making out at the parking lot of Our Lady of the Precipice, and um, unfortunately, uh, Cindy's pregnant. <laughs> well, son, <laughs> I can't say that I'm not a little bit proud. Uh, but you know, we did we did have this talk about making out in the double in the double tall, double wide. Uh, I was hoping you'd be more careful than that. Did you at least change the sheets in the upstairs bed in the SUV? Uh, well, answer your mother. I mean, look, mom. I mean, I mean, that's like, did I just say it wasn't necessary? I mean, for teenagers, like we, like that's a lot of climbing. <gasps> oh, I thought it wasn't necessary because it was a virgin birth. Briefly, I hoped. <laughs> 
But no, you're saying you just had sex immediately upon entering the SUV. I mean, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the foyer is just, you know, it's just. You, the you had sex in the foyer? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the SUV foyer. foyer is for guests. That's why we put the but good china the in good there. Chi- we don't even sit on that love seat. You know your mom has got to think about that. That love seat is covered in plastic. Sex on the love seat plastic? That's good plastic. Has this happened to you or your family? Has a loved one (laughs) driven your double by to the Church of the Precipice? And then, you know, know, a rash act seduced by the blush beauty of the church, conceived a child (laughs) in your very pristine uh, double wide? Call us. We'll represent you against the Holy Church of the Precipice, which mostly serves orphans. Operators are standing by. Do you need a judge? My name is Judge Joel, and I've got the lowest reversal rate possible. I even keep it stitched right on my judge gown. (laughs) Now, a lot of these other judges, they're instantly just taking the directed judgments right away. They're saying, hey, you know what? We're doing this, but not me. I pass the savings and the judgment onto the jury. So call me. Oh, oh, judge, judge, just a just a question here. Um, you, can, are we able to pay you through indulgences or perhaps donating double wide at double tall SUVs to your um orphan church fund, or um in other ways buy the verdict from you? A fantastic question, and I'm going to pass that along to the jury. You betcha. Yeah. Great. They made the decision. No problem for Judge Joel. So yes, pay me in indulgences, pay me in thoughts, pay me in prayers, pay me in whatever you need. Just get me on that bench. Uh, Jesus, uh, we're having a problem uh, over in the other corner of heaven. Uh, it seems that... Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, it seems that uh, John Hancock's uh, future promise has finally come due. They've got to actually pay the church, the church, Trinity Church of Boston, and they're saying they won't do it. Uh, did you, I mean, try to just wave them off a little longer? Say, we put it in the mail weeks ago. I should be getting any time. I told everybody involved, I said, this is heaven, everybody. We're post-capitalist. We don't have an economy. Everything's free. Nobody will hear it. Oh, uh, God damn it. It's me, the soul of the John Hancock Mutual Insurance Corporation here in heaven. That's right. Once corporations are people, they have souls and <laughs> souls can go to heaven. Jesus, I don't shouldn't have to pay. Just for a, a, a promise that I made at the whim of a court of law. Look, hey, Hancock, I'm right there with you. You know what I mean? Like, I always side with insurance. Uh <laughs> You loved money lenders. You came into our house once loved and knocked it. over the tables, helped us rearrange. Loved it. Loved it. I love uh, the fanfare. Uh, and I mean, these churches are a dime a dozen. Hey, like, Jesus. St. Peter, it's me, the soul of the Trinity Church of Boston. What's up? What's happening? Good to see oh, you. God. We're in tight, right? I mean, you know, like, I feel like I got a finger on the table, you know, finger on the old scales of justice here now that we're, we've waited our entire lifetime as a church and died in our soul of our church is now in heaven because as a nonprofit, we also are legal entities and therefore persons and therefore can also have souls on top of handling souls within the confines of our physical building when we're not in heaven. But anyhow, 
I got the yes. inside track here, right, Jesus? Right, JC? You made a lot of promises during your lifetime. You kept them afterwards. Hey, St. Peter, you know, they hung you upside down. You know what it's like to suffer, right? You know, come on, hook me up here. Hook me up here. I'm, I'm, just, I'm um, sorry. Spirit of Trinity Church, where'd you get a surfboard? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, you know, things got a little cold in Boston. So, you know, we just spent the su eternal summer, you know, I'm talking about on the Great Barrier Reef and uh, just hanging out because, you know, at some point you got to just say, fuck it. St. Peter's kind of annoying. <laughs> okay, um, Jesus, I just, I'm just going to remind you that uh, we did say as below, so above and so forth. So... Uh... Uh... We, well, they did. They promised. No one's expecting me to do all of the things I said. That's why I was talking in circles, parables, baby. It's open to interpretation. You know how much interest accrues in the lifetime of a church on a $4 million judgment? It's a lot at 10% per annum over 350 years. It's just bucks. I've been spending the interest alone when I was down, you know, there as church just hustling in around the uh, South Pacific. And, uh, you know, we got a few debts to take care of. The Catholic Church is now currently uh, over six point seven billion trillion dollars in debt. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Uh, I know the CPAs down in Glory Road are just blowing loads over this conversation. <laughs> uh, 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 it's me, the 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 soul of the Sands Casino in Las Vegas. Look. <laughs> You got to pay that church up because that church spent a lot, a lot of cash in our casino, took out a few loans that we got to collect on here in heaven. We sued them. They said, see you in the afterlife. Now we're here. And, uh, you know, you got to get this John Hancock jerk to pay the church so that they can pay me. Sorry, Jesus. Uh. It's me, the spirit of the Girl Scouts. <laughs> The church, Trinity Church bought so many Girl Scout cookies from us and said they'd pay us in the afterlife. Then they ate the Girl Scout cookies in front of us. Now we died in the horrible Girl Scout accident we all know about. Mm -hmm. Collect. Um, it's me. Uh, you know me, Ted Turnpike. <laughs> Let's run over some uh, Girl Scouts this weekend just for fun. Right? Come on, Jesus. Come on. Wait, I know how, look, I know how I got up here the, mm -hmm. as the soul of the Sands Corporation, but how'd the turnpike get here? I mean, we, we paid our way up here with all those indulgences and whatnot and, you know, doing that, the, the, the entitlements and then, you know, the, 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 the donations to local Congress people and whatnot. But how'd the turnpike even get here? What did he do to get up at the heaven? I would have figured he'd be in the other place. Come on. Everybody has to take the turnpike. <laughs> wow. What, what is that like he the highway admitted. to heaven? That's right. Uh, he admitted to running us over and still made it into heaven. That's a lot of power. Don't mess with the transit authority. You know what? I work in mysterious ways. So <laughs> I so won't have true. you question me in my own home. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, orphans gather round. Another day here at the Holy Church of the Precipice. Oh. Another day of unanswered prayers. Why? Seems that um we've been forsaken. I don't know what we've done wrong, other than providing alms to the poor and feeding you orphans and constructing our mega churches on cliff tops. What could it be? 
I'm starving. I've had nothing but gazpacho for three weeks. If only there weren't so many babies being conceived of and then dropped off on this property. I don't know what makes it such a good place to fornicate, but it is, apparently. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know about you, but I was conceived in the foyer of a double wide, double tall SUV. That's why my name is Foyer. <laughs> it's weird that you know that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have lots of people are named after the places they're conceived. That's why we have so many people named Bed here. <laughs> um. Yes, <laughs> we try and we try and name you according to where you were conceived, just to keep track of you for future lawsuit purposes. And the, the church, of course, knows exactly where we were conceived, because that's when life begins. That's well, right. Can somebody get horseback saddle in here? Because he's <laughs> been complaining about the food for weeks. <laughs> um, only if you can find International Space Station. Those two are always together. Talk about defying gravity. <laughs> He was conceived closest to heaven. Uh, all right, well, <clears throat> I'm gonna get a, you know, I'll, I'll gonna just go ask a, ask a yacht bathroom <laughs> if maybe he can share some of his gazpacho with me, because this is going nowhere. Sure. Well, and actually, uh, there is that new kid that just came in whose name is Gazpacho. <laughs> That's in Spain. <laughs> uh. Welcome to Spain. You may think this is Ukraine, but no, this is Spain. Nobody is confused about gazpacho. Gazpacho, definitely a Ukrainian dish, a Spanish dish. And so please come here. We have everything Spain has to offer. We have gazpacho, uh, which is uh, actually from Spain. It sounds like Ukraine. No, 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 no. We Your have... accent is so elusive. <laughs> it, it, I didn't realize uh, how far east into Europe Spain was. <laughs> Spain is an interesting country. Spain has a lot of interesting things. Uh, we don't need to ask questions. Now, first off, what thing we have in Spain is we have podcast and we have podcast with number one comedy podcast. We have number one gazpacho podcast. We have number one borscht podcast. Now, a lot of people get the borscht podcast and the gazpacho podcast confused. Very different things. Hello, this is Ernesto. I am the host of the Borscht podcast here in Spain. I am loving Borscht. This is why I invented a Borscht-oriented podcast here in Spain. Me and my friends, also Jaime, and also uh, and also the other Ernesto. And we, we have these podcasts. We get together. We talk about Borscht. Okay, enough with introduction. Hey, Ernesto. Did you hear about the good borscht they have down at the Dunkin' Donuts they brought in here on the corner? Uh. Yeah, yeah, it's a delicious borscht. It has like little sprinkles on top. It's delicious. Round borscht, whole. <laughs> That's the one. 
in that in this one in this borscht one in the corner they they don't ask questions about our elusive accents that don't appear to be moving throughout of europe sometimes they're in spain sometimes our accents are in ukraine sometimes they are in other places who even knows this episode of the gazpacho podcast is brought to you by curtis the person who earlier got borscht and gazpacho confused uh, I'd like to apologize personally to all of the Ukrainians, to the, the people of Spain, to the Gaspachans for my confusion. I heard gazpacho and I thought, oh, that's the thing from Ukraine. It's not. And I apologize from the bottom of my heart. I've been buying ad space on many different podcasts as an apology tour. <laughs> this podcast is also brought to you by Billy. Billy's here to offer an apology. Um, <clears throat> to those of you who are uh, listening to this podcast, whether you are in Ukraine or in Massachusetts or whether you came to us through Truth Social, uh, I just want to <laughs> apologize to all the different people that I've alienated through my attempts at, at humor and my jokes at the expense of rainbow sprinkles and uh, you know, elusive accents and other things that are just confusing and upsetting. I'm going to go buy a space on a few more podcasts. So um, if you can just, um, you know, maybe Venmo me a little bit of money so I can buy that ad space on a, on a, on a podcast that has greater reach, that'd be great. This is Kristen Drenning. I would just like to say, I do not apologize for anything. I am a bloodhound and a shark, and I'm not sorry. <laughs> Hi, uh, this is the soul of Truth Social here. Uh, <laughs> uh, just trying to make my way into heaven. Uh, heard it wasn't that hard to get in. Take the turnpike. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, objection, objection. This is a miscarriage of justice. I'm calling miscarriage of justice on the whole thing. I mean, <clears throat> wow. I mean, don't you think, like, don't you want to have a, like a doctor at least like take its pulse or something? Justice is, you know, seems to be doing fine. You know, have you do tried like, uh, you know, those paddles, anything like that? <laughs> The defibrillator? No. Yeah, defibrillator. What, what, what do you do justice to revive justice if it's, you know, like appears DOA? I just I feel like that's just just a little premature. Do we have a doctor, a justice doctor around here somewhere? Uh, yeah, I'm a justice doctor. Uh, let me take a look at the <laughs> let me take a look at the patient here. <clears throat> uh, okay, let's see. Uh some some lividity, uh, not a good sign. Uh Appears to be the pupils are very dilated. It's coughing and sputtering. It's it's limp. It has a rigorous set in. Yeah, I'd say the justice is uh, pretty much miscarried at this point. I'm sorry. Well, Just kidding. Let's get those paddles out. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was getting a <laughs> <Yeah>. word there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Clear. One more time. Clear. 
what he oh, said. Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> justice. <laughs> oh. it's, it's me, Justice. Hi. <laughs> you guys really carried me all sh- shittily back there. <laughs> I mean, once Justice died, it became real tough for a while there. We were trying to judge all sorts of things on our own. It was uh, bad. Oh, no. We, we didn't even get a chance to ask you, you know, where, where were you even conceived? Who knows? I mean, we know where liberty was conceived. We know, you know that. But I mean, I have no idea where where you were. You know, uh, well, have you seen that Holiday Inn Express on the four hundred five? There's a reason it's shaped that way. <laughs> All right. The moral of the story is: uh, don't ask too many questions when your kids come home late. That's our show, folks. I mean, <laughs> geez, we uh, we took a journey through both the real, literal and imaginative, figurative and symbolic. And we landed on nihilism, I think, mm-hmm. is where we that's where we came out. Where it all lands. <laughs> kind of always ends up there. So I'd like to uh, thank my guests, my my guest, my two guests, James, first of all, who has had the appropriate response, which is just snooze through the absolute whole thing. No I know. What. I'm afraid if I stop moving that she's going to awake like the banshees of Ina Sheeran. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah, for those of Go you see who, the movie. Yeah, this is a podcast. It's an auditory medium. But Kelly's been pretty much, you know, just just hardcore with the rocking the whole time. Uh, it feels and, good, though. Yeah, it is, I mean, I, I usually rock myself to sleep as well. Um, <laughs> So we'll start with uh, Curtis. Curtis, where can people find you on the internet, social media, et cetera? Oh, you can find me at curtisrutherford.com. That's R-E-T-H-E-R-F-O-R-D.com. I'm actually Curtis on everything except for the soul of truth social. Um, and yeah, that's probably where you can find me. Oh, and you can find me normally at UCB in LA doing shows and in a couple other places doing shows, but who knows where? Awesome. Kristen. Uh, due to overwhelming popular demand, which I finally been to, I am now on Instagram um, as Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-D-R-E-N-N-I-N-G. I have exactly seven posts. They are dynamite, each and every single one. Of them. <laughs> I, think I, I think I've liked all seven, and I would do it again. <laughs> Thank you so much. And if you're in, in the Austin area, I teach at the hideout. Uh, and uh, also, you can check out, I have some good stories online uh, from Testify ATX. That's right. We're going to get you out to LA. You're going to perform with uh, You're on Mute at some point in time, or maybe we'll do a live we'll do a live podcast recording. We're going to get you out here. Kelly, where can people find you on the internet, socials, etc.? cetera? Uh, you can find me pretty much Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Kelly Shea, K-E-L-L-I-S-H-E-A. Um, you can find me in real life pretty much just at my home uh, because it's really hard to do things when you have a child. It's like, come on, kid, get it together. True that. Now, did you now have you had a, a young James sign a release yet? So you can pretty much like live stream uh, her entire childhood because I think that's the, what we do now, right? I think we're doing a Truman show with her for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm actually not her real mom. I was hired. Uh, <laughs> um, Twist. So how will it end? <laughs> we'll find out. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm Billy DeClerc. You can find me at Comedy Lawyer on most social media where I don't post anything ever or on Twitter at Max Hedrum Esquire where I post random things that happen to interest me and mostly like and retweet my wife's posts. 
All right, folks, that's our show. I'd like to thank my crew, Curtis, Kristen, and Kelly for joining me on the journey into madness.